Welcome to On a Tangent Podcast. We're at the third part of our first episode, analyzing Ari Aster's Midsummer. Uh, we finished the synopsis of the film, and now we're just talking about how it's truly beautiful. Um, we left off talking about how we both agree that this is a fucked up fairy tale. Um, and... I was reading an article from Vox, uh, and it was specifically talking about the relationship between Christian and Danny. And the writer, Alyssa Wilkinson, wrote, and it's be- I, this is beautiful. She wrote, there's never been anyone who's more of a wet lump of nothingness than Christian. <laughs> I... And I'm obsessed. And I mean, you are too. That's why we're talking about it. I'm feeling re-obsessed with this film for like multitudes of reasons. And I, like, I feel like I'm falling down a rabbit hole that's like totally unnecessary. <laughs> Where I'm like, Whoa, blue and yellow symbolism, runic symbolism, da 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 da. Going, I'm, I'm like driving myself mad. It's like, uh, I don't know. Honestly, I get that, though, because I'm down for a third rewatch. You caught a couple things I did not. It's, I love Ari Aster films for the same reason I love Jordan Peele films, which I have already talked about how we need to do a whole episode on Jordan Peele films. Mm-hmm. Um, every time you watch it, there's something new, and it's not always visual. Sometimes you are rehearing dialogue, which now said again after you know the ending, you're like, wait a second. Like, not catching Father Odd saying, welcome home to Danny. But on second watch, I was like, motherfucker knew some shit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, you catch little things. Like, you didn't catch it. I'm sure you didn't. How the embroidery on a lot of the villagers, the amount of red embroidery increased as the film went forward. I caught it on the last part after Maya's fertilization. Because she was wearing the red crown and the red lipstick and the red vest. Um, And another one had a really red dress. And I wonder if that has something to do with the mating ritual or mating in general. Because when looking at the villagers, a lot of the older women were the ones wearing the red embroidery. So if almost they've gone through this ritual and so they can graduate to this different embroidery, whereas men and children are wearing more blue, white, and other colors of embroidery, um, which I'm sure well, it is. A, if it's a fertilization, you know, a, I can't think of the term, but a fertility ritual. Right. Maybe these are the women that are confirmed fertile or actively have are within like to the point that they believe they're fertilized they're within the fertile range if we go back right to like the, the different they're between 18 and 54 they they were red, right you know like i i love the i love how earnest pele was with everybody like he didn't really lie to anybody until he lied to josh about getting yes. permission like he was being sincere. Think of all the nice think of all the hot Swedish girls you get to impregnate. He was being 100% serious. 
Yeah, I guess that's true. I hated him in the scene. I thought it was a yucky moment, but... But, like, think about it. He understands... He's bringing them there to be breeding stuff. Yeah, he understands how to talk to these guys. He understands their personality. He's known them for months. He knows the right way to engage them, which is why he didn't engage Danny sympathetically until they had left the room. Because in him doing that, he's acting outside of their understanding of Pele. That's not the man he's pretending to be in front of them. Exactly. You're saying that's more who he is. I think that him with them, like in the restaurant and, you know, when they're doing their dude thing, is him being, uh, frankly, a more American character. Mm -hmm. And I think that when he's interacting with Danny, he's being more of an authentic person, the character is. I totally get that. Um, I... I'm now, now when I'm watching it, I'm like looking at the backgrounds of everything. I'm watching all the tapestries in the barn. Like there's runes on there for childhood. There's runes on there for, you know, boy and girl and day and night. Like they're trying to teach the children in there. Um, I read a really interesting article about Siv's cabin where they talk about how, um, Christian's actively looking like her room looks like it's covered in tarot cards, which is like so badass. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's like actively looking at like a scene on that wallpaper, whatever that is the emulation of a bear. Yes. Which I was like, I love, I love that like on the nose foreshadowing because I find it fun. Agree. Cause you don't, you can't get it in the moment, but no, I did. I did have a couple questions. Mm-hmm. So do you think that obviously there's significance to the forms of death, but do you think that there was significance to what person was assigned what death? I think Mark is pretty clear, but the other ones, I don't, I don't know that we have the information, but I just like your opinion. Do you think that Connie got her death and Simon got his meaningfully or just because this is the, I'm going to kill you in this way? Like, Someone has to die this way. As in their manner of death is symbolic for something associated with them? Yeah. Is there a reason that Simon was blood-eagled where Connie was drowned? Do you think that... Is it like an archetype thing? Like they were chosen to fulfill these roles and they knew before coming that Christian would die? This Christian was probably an exception because she chose him. But like, did they know, did he intend to kill Josh and bury his leg in the garden? Um... Or just to sacrifice him, but however. I would almost say yes. And I say yes because every other thing they do is so deliberate that Mm -hmm. I just don't, I can't fathom that like they do such deliberate other things that um, they're very willy-nilly about, you know. Well, my thing is though. Right. And so. I definitely get why, and I agree with you because I think that Mark getting the fool kind of shows that. But I do think that the only, like, sin or wrongdoing that we see from Connie and Simon Mm -hmm. is trying to leave. So, do you think that Simon was blood-eagled because he did something we didn't see that's considered some major offense? People who try to leave are automatically going to get these two, or is it his personality that deemed him the one who gets blood eagled. Is it behavior when you get there or behavior prior? Um, you know, that's a great 
question. I'm doing a that's quick a bad search. one to get. No, I'm do- I'm doing a quick search because you know you know there especially during like um, the Inquisition, certain punishments were mm-hmm. products of certain crimes. A like crime, the pair. Exactly. You go into the Iron Maiden when you do this, and so I would wonder if. Um, I would wonder if the right of the right of the blood eagle uh, was saved for specific infractions, whether it would be. um, That would be interesting. Maybe nine have to die, but there is no prescribed. No one necessarily has to be blood eagled. Right. They Um, just have to die. I do. But I do, though, think that their manners of death, even if it wasn't like you did X, so we kill you this way, is very much like they probably have, I I would just assume, a standard recipe book for murder and, you know, are like, okay, well, to complete this, we need to have a substantial amount of suffering. And so how can we make people suffer the most? Well, I would just make an assumption that Mark probably was alive when he was being skinned. Yeah, I would agree. When we see Josh die, they allow him to writhe and moan on the floor for quite a while before they remove him from the scene. We don't really I didn't know. I see the hammer got him. Well, something hits him over the head. I made the assumption that the gigantic fucking hammer was probably used. It's too expensive a prop to use once. <laughs> I, if I'm going to make a gigantic antique looking mallet, I'm using it all the time. Um, You know, we don't see... We don't see when Simon dies, but, spoiler alert, uh, blood eagles are fucking painful because you were alive when they happened. You know? Well, and they, you're supposed to prove your courage by not screaming, right? Right. I mean, and it's li- literally, they flay your back, they detach your ribs from your spine, and then they pull your lungs out of your back as wings. So that's going to be really fucking painful if you survive to that point of the uh, ritual. So, and then I would just assume that drowning with chainmail on hurts because drowning is the thing that I want to die the least from. Well, and Josh's leg is cut off. That may have occurred when he was alive. We don't know. Absolutely. We don't know what they put him through. And I'm trying to remember back. Like he wasn't, like when we see Mark's body, he's mutilated. Mm-hmm. When we see Simon, he's mutilated. The two villagers that are like pre-done, they're pre-sacrificed. They're essentially like centerpieces. They carved them up, but it doesn't look like they. We don't have any sign. Of I am having a thought right now, which we will probably answer after the podcast. And I don't know how we're going to get the answer into the podcast, but I'm curious if we can look at that last feast table. And if they are, in fact, table ornaments. Oh, God. I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm having a thought as it's occurring in my, in my brain. Um, but yeah, I, I, every single one of those deaths are traumatic and painful. And I, that's 100% on purpose. Um, I, and it could, I mean... They can't be on the table, though, unless they were really obscured, because at least Christian was somewhat cognizant at that point. Maybe it was just way down the table or something. 
I'm literally trying to Google an image of it because I would love to know if we've got some dead bodies on that final feast table. I did not see a torso with branches and apples, so I don't think so. (laughs) Shut up. Yeah, I'm not seeing it either. I mean, it that was literally a thought coming from my brain. No, it'd be cool. It's an interesting point. But I, there's just such, like, what, now I'm looking at, like, other tapestries that are, like, in the film, like, what does this mean, you know? Yeah. I'd like to see all the ones in that room. They all tell so many stories, and there's, like, if you look at the beginning, the first tapestry, the very first one we see in the very beginning, like, the the five-part tapestry, Mark's wearing, like, a jester's hat, I saw that this rewatch. I never saw it before. And Josh is holding a pile of books. And I love that they actually liken Pele to a Pied Piper. Because that's exactly what he is. Yeah. Oh, my question. They mentioned that they would uh, give him a reward. Now, because he found the May Queen, he brought in outsiders to be sacrificed. My question is, do you think his reward was simply... Good job, high five, you have a cool hat. You know what I mean? Like, just a ritual thing. Because I, I read an interpretation online that Pele would have been sacrificed alongside his brother. That the fact that they brought people in, they would generally be a part of the sacrifice themselves. Uh-huh. And that because he brought in so many people and found the May Queen, his reward is not being sacrificed. Yeah, and I've also seen that his reward is Danny. Which it should be, obviously. Right. She'd be happier. I I also think it's really interesting that um, I really think it's interesting that I forgot what I was saying. Um, no, but <laughs> no, but I, I I do find it very interesting that like they say in the beginning, and I think it might be Father Ood or Odd. I don't know how to say his name. Makes the comment to them that Pele has such good taste in people. Yeah, he did. And then I was like, and that's what made me wonder, like, are they eating people too? Is this some Soylent Green stuff? Oh, you think? I mean, I don't know. They don't say yes or no and nothing in like the, because I'm like looking at that first tapestry because it does kind of give you all of the secrets. And so I'm like trying to look to see like, okay, well, I'm not seeing any cannibalism here and I'm not seeing cannibalism there. And, you know, I'm looking for cannibals and I, I, thankfully not seeing them but um i i just i I find it so interesting so this is not the first time that pele has brought people in for sacrifice so it really does make you it really does make you question though what exactly occurs every 90 years because yeah. if four this is not the last day of the festival, is no, it? it's the fourth day of the festival. There's still five Ooh. days. We have no idea what's going on. Is this the crux of it and the rest of it's just downhill? Is this like a roller coaster? Or are we just going to ramp up till day nine? Like, it's just like everyone's naked, like fucking under a full moon. Like, we don't know. Wow. Or dancing under this super creepy sun, like With in the black tapestry. Or something. Yeah. Like, it, I I love I love that there are such gigantic points of the plot 
that Ari Oster could very much have been like, oh, I'm going to explain to you all nine days and this is what's going to happen and da 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 da. And instead he's like, oh no, here's up to day four. We're done. So generally, and this is something, you know, you ever have a half remembered thing that you think you know, but could be utter bullshit? Right. Yes. Generally, a fertility festival like the ones that I'm aware of, it wouldn't be uncommon to go fuck in the fields. Right. So if she is the May Queen fertile woman figure, do you think that his crown was meant to signify that he's the male portion of that? He's the Serenos or whatever? I would. I would absolutely. Like his gift is that he is the May King. He brought the May Queen. He is the May King. And much like fertility rituals, at the end or crux or whatever of it, the two of them are going to fuck. And she's officially joined the community at this point. And maybe that's the thing. Maybe she's not the first person he brought from outside that joined the community. What's his good taste in people? Exactly. Exactly. That referred to Danny. I, I I didn't think it at the time. But having talked to you, I think that that's exactly what he meant by welcome home. Yes. Hmm. And it's, um, it's Christian being burned alive, drugged and sewn into a bear skin. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, no, like Pele. Is like a <laughs> Prince Charming. Whoa. But think about it. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Like, she's orphaned. She's alone. He sweeps in, finds her a new home. He sweeps and a her off her and... feet, takes her to a new place, you know, shows her all the commodities and all the accommodations they can make for her. Look at this cool thing. Look at that cool thing. Look at how we live our life. Look at how we understand you. Look at how much we like you. Look at how sympathetic and empathetic we are. Look, we even mimic your cries. We understand your pain. We've been through the things you've been through. Your old life is trash. Come live with us. Well, then maybe that's the rest of the ritual. Maybe it's an induction of sorts. So this is the end of her tragic journey. Now she's this is her well. Now she ascends, you know? A very, I very much, yeah. Like, I love how little we know about this. I love how in the dark we are for the rest of it. And this isn't the first time, you know. I keep pulling in Hereditary. But Hereditary ends, like, in the middle. It is a mind fuck, yeah. Like, it ends as soon, like, they've summoned payment. Okay, well, what now? Let's see what's going on. Is it the end of the world? We don't know. We have no clue. And Dowd is just like, here's all your dead family members. Welcome to Earth, God. <laughs> See, I really want, I don't disagree. I think that this information is best left out of the movie because the movie is damn near flawless. But I do wish that, you know, like in Star Wars, there's that external community of books and stories and uh, mythology that isn't necessarily integral to the movie or whatever. But you can go to for more in the same universe. I kind of wish this had that because I'm not really done with this yet. I know we talked about it for like three hours, so y- but I'm still into it. You want a Midsummer expanded universe? <laughs> I do. I want that where people just write like super in depth fan fiction. 
<laughs> no, because then it'll just be like combinations of fucking, which is the least interesting part of this. But like, but that's all of these Star Wars extended universes is literally fan fiction that at twenty minutes or twenty years after they started creating it, uh, Lucasfilm and George Lucas were like, okay, this stuff is legit. Like, well, can it, we like? I just want to make sure we don't get some weird like. I don't want God. some Fifty Shades of Grey shit coming out of this. Yes, I think like, that's my fear. It would be like. There's erotic adventure, and I can't deal with it. I can't. But, like, I also love that we don't know those things because, and Ari Oster has brought this up before, and I think it's freaking genius, and he said it about Hereditary, and it still rings true for this. We're witnessing a scary movie, the first one, Hereditary. It's essentially the story of a however years long possession ritual ritual Mm -hmm. as told by the sacrificial lamb oh yeah we are experiencing midsummer in the same way we are watching a timeless traditional ritual occur as told by the story of the sacrifices that is super cool and so, this now. and and there have been other scary movies I think that have tried to touch this. Like I can't think of the name of the. There's a few of them, and usually it involves white college kids going to a jungle and encountering an indigenous people, and they get slaughtered and eaten like cows. And like the Green Torment or something. Yeah, and I'm not a fan of torture porn. And I don't find that type of movie intriguing or I don't find it compelling. Like, I I couldn't spend three hours talking about that film. I could spend three hours talking about this. There's nothing in it. Oh, yeah. A terrible douche bro shows up in El Salvador or in Peru, finds an indigenous tribe. Hella insults them, then gets eaten. Okay. Like. All right. Yeah, agreed. I don't care. Episode over. Movie, not good. You know, versus it, like this. If we're gonna do cannibalism, I want to do like tasteful the cannibalism. Terror. The terror. That's true. No, that's true. I actually haven't watched it yet. It's on my list because um, I saw that you want to talk let's about it. Do it immediately. It's no, my but favorite like, show. Ari Ari Oster in all of his films, and they're all different. He talks about the relationships between adults, parents, and their children. And do you think in this one? Because I did not see. I do. Explain. Well, this one is more broadly familial. Yes. Agreed. But it cold opens with what we can only assume is one of of many altercations Danny's had with her sister. Yeah. And I would posit. I keep using that word. I would (laughs) theorize that. This is not the first time her and Terry have had arguments or fights when or where Terry might say some dumb shit about their parents. Not to mention, like, you can't help but have parental confliction at certain points of your life. And when you're a young adult, you're probably doing things your parents could probably wish you weren't. Or, um, 
you know, given the tumultuous relationship between Danny and her sister, it just makes sense her parents would probably get in the center of that, unfortunately, because it looks like her sister still lives at home or is at least physically closer to her folks. So, you know, there's obviously some sort of familial relationship that is not right. Um, He plays with the idea of, what was I calling this? Like, inappropriate responsibility. Um, Like, it very much feels to me like Danny is taking on a um, older sister responsibility for her younger sister, which is why she's so concerned, which is why her sister, instead of turning to her parents, if she's having an issue, goes directly to Danny because Danny's the person that she thinks is responsible. See, I think all of this is completely valid. I guess just because I'm colored by my own experiences, I took this as a familial story between her and her sister. Her parents were a tragedy. I didn't see any... In my opinion, like, the the pictures and everything were explicitly jovial. I agree. The ones on their walls. So I guess I felt like I don't see any actual conflict with the parents or any trauma or harm there. What I saw was this destructive force in the center of their family that took her parents away from her. Which is why I think she saw her parents at that ritual, never her sister except as a background specter. I agree. I also, though, did not notice any photos of her sister in her parents' room. I did not notice that. So, once it's again, all Danny. You know, if we're if we're just you know now we're just we're running That's speculation. Rough. But think of it this way, though: imagine you have two children, one who's we're going to use air quotes or whatever, you know, one's. Um, like neurotypical more functional and then you have terry who's neuroatypical and well so is danny though we see her with the ativan right so we're calling dan i'm gonna say she's probably more neurotypical she lives on her own she's in school she has relationships outside of her parents we don't learn much about danny but we do know that danny her her um mental health does not seem as functional as danny's in the beginning obviously and right. we don't see, we do see pictures of Danny in her parents' room. I don't see a picture of her sister in their room. So in speculation, could it be nothing? Sure. Could it be, well, they don't have a picture of Terry in there because she's terrible. Because Danny's the golden child. Because Danny, Danny can in. do no wrong. Danny's the perfect daughter. Danny did this and Danny does that. I mean, we don't know that. But. Well, we don't know any of this. This is no, all. No, no, no. I called you because I want to talk about this because I'm interested in your you, opinion because I'm want obsessed. The speculation. I do. No, but and so that that's why I say like Ari Oster plays with familial relationships and like familial tension because <laughs> you know you don't get to choose your family to start with. And then as you grow up, you do choose a family. You have your chosen family. You have your friends that are like sisters. You have your, you know, your significant others become your family through marriage and through relationships, through trials and traumas and tribulations. And, and I, I, so I see that, you know, he, he plays with that tension that gets created within that family dynamic. And he just like, he just like, stretches it 
much like the music in that film where it's just a note that's stretched until it's the most uncomfortable note you could listen to and then it just stops. So do you think that the sister part where the woman refers to Danny as sisters and part of the family, there's several references, but it's explicitly right there at the end when she's already the May Queen. Um, do you think that her choosing between a member of the Harga and her choosing, you know, Christian, do you think that was a test? Like if she'd chosen the member of the Harga, it would choose that she's not genuinely a part of them. And by choosing Christian, she cemented her place in their culture and their family and group. Do you think she would have been killed or rejected or otherwise the victim of retribution had she chosen not Christian? I uh, I do. I mean, you know, we we have talked about what could go on in the subsequent five days of the ritual. And I do think that those five days of the ritual honestly depend on what her decision was. If she had chosen part of the Harga, I bet that some things would have happened to her that probably won't happen to her now that she's selected Christian because she's now a full-fledged member of the community and not an outsider acting in service as the May Queen. She is now a part of the Harga community acting in service of the greater community. And she shares their theoretical guilt. If they're murderers, so is she. She chose someone. Exactly. So she, like, I, I do think, because she, she knowingly and willingly selects Christian, knowingly and willingly continues to allow it to occur, and then knowingly and willingly takes part in that final ritualistic mimicry with the temple burning. And so I do think that she's making that conscious decision that there's nothing she wants to go back to. Agreed. She's, I she's think not going her... back there. That's her saying, I burned down my old life. Danny's gone. I'm here. She fully participated in the entirety of the ritual at the crux of it. Absolutely. Yeah. At the yeah, point where she, at the point where she could have just, at, at the point where she could have made a decision um, that would have not been beneficial to the larger community she made the opposite decision. She made the decision that actually hurt her in service of the community. And I think that claimed her place as part of the community. She had to sacrifice something to get there. And she sacrificed Christian. Okay, I love it. That's the ending on a happy note. <laughs> well, I mean, it is. It's. I'm serious. I feel good about that. No, she she's gone through a full, a full... You know, 180, she's, you know, probably not all the way, but she's healed through traumatic grief. She's healed through traumatic trauma. She's seen, you know, she thought she had lived through the worst thing of her entire life. And then she went to Sweden. And now the things that she's lost seem smaller. The things that she's gained seem more important. Well, and it contextualized the death of her parents because she's now fully committed to the idea of the cycle of death and rebirth, meaning her parents aren't gone. They're in the middle. Yeah. Super cool. I love this movie. Thank you for talking about this with me. <laughs> You're welcome for talking with, about this movie with you. So <laughs> I w I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, not all of our episodes are going to be three hours long. <laughs> um, <laughs> But two and when, a half, two and a half. But when we have a conversation about how we need to deep dive into something that our brains can't turn off on, 
we're going to spend three and a half hours talking about it. We meant a capital letter tangent. Sorry. So I, I feel like, no, we like went on tangents. <laughs> Plural. So uh, we'll probably, we'll, we'll try to make episode four shorter, sweeter, less to do about uh, necro pants. Listen, skin, that was integral. I am guaranteeing right now that Beth is writing down in our ideas bucket necro pants. I literally did. So I'm ready. They're important to me. I mean, I, you know, if we're going to talk about things we've added, you know, to our, I added hypertrichosis yesterday because I'm, I'm weird. So, um, we're going to say we're done diving into Midsummer. I loved it. I haven't seen anything that Ariaster's ever made that is not bad or that is bad. Uh, he that has, is not bad. No, bad in the good way. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, that's bad. Um, no, but there's an attention to detail that he has that you don't see in many filmmakers. Uh, or if you do see them from filmmakers, you then find out those filmmakers are... Uh, really terrible to work for like Stanley Kubrick who was apparently a very difficult director to get along with um, and Alfred Hitchcock who would terrorize his actors with birds so um, but Ari Aster from everything I found is a very nice man who despite what his movies would suggest uh, who has an imagination that I just want to just dig I, I want to have dinner with him but you floor, want to choose the menu. In a floral dress. But yes, I would like to choose the restaurant. <laughs> um, so we're going to sign off for now. And we will see you with episode four. Technically episode two. Uh, I don't know what the subject is yet. But it will not be this long. So if you stuck around to the very end, thank you so much for listening. Um, please rate and review our podcast. It can help us be found in the different podcast directories. Um, if you have any questions or comments, we will have all of the links for our social media, our email, and our Facebook pages down below um and any of our socials if we're willing to get those out i'm not sure about that yet um so follow us on in social media like us and subscribe and uh like i said i promise next time we won't take as much of your time thank you bye bye